surprise to some of you, and to those of you who aren't surprised, you came anyway. For those of you who may be visiting, uh, David is away, so you get potluck this morning. Last time I spoke, I forgot my notes, I left them at home. This time, I do have them. Don't know whether I'm any better off or not, but I do have them. Got a question. What generally are your first thoughts of a morning when you wake up? Just another hot day? Maybe you think of things this morning that you didn't do yesterday that you intended to do. They got left over because time ran out on you. Or maybe you're thinking about all the things that you need to do today and how little time you're going to have to get those things done. And then maybe you think, well, time is wasting. You need to be up, get busy, get things done. So, you get out of bed, you do the bathroom routine, and in the process of doing that routine, you look in the mirror. What do you see? You know, that old bathroom mirror tells a lot of things, doesn't it? A mirror is a thing that reflects honestly, most of the time, what's there. And we know about mirrors. Some of us have been to the amusement park where they have a room of mirrors that reflect us in all kinds of shapes and sizes, regardless of what the reality is. But yet, on the other hand, when we look in the mirror of a morning, we see the physical. Sometimes that's okay, and sometimes we kind of frown at it, and some of us immediately try to improve on what God has made, although in reality we know we can't, 
because God made us as, as we are. If we're young, we smile at that mirror, you know. And if we're not so young, maybe it's just a straight face this time. And if we are old or getting old, we wonder, what about those lines in the face? But yet, we fail to see the softness that comes about with age that sometimes we don't have in our younger years. And God sees to it that we, if we desire and if we try, we can grow old gracefully, pleasantly, happily, and live from day to day realizing that, as Scripture says, we appear briefly as a vapor and we vanish away. But what about the time that we have in this vaporous period? Yep, that old mirror tells it like it is, doesn't it? So we're out the door. We're ready to be gone, get things done that we didn't do yesterday, that we need to do today, but wait, wait, what? If you take the songbook in front of you there, turn it over to 669. Six hundred sixty-nine. And if you will, if I can do this, sing with me. Mm-hmm. Hey, you left your room this morning. Did you think to Ah. Uh. 
If you will now, turn your Bibles to Exodus 38, verse 8. This reading is concerning the building of the temple. And Elihu was speaking, asking questions, listening. So moreover, he made the labor of bronze with its base of bronze from the mirrors of the serving women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. And these mirrors probably is assumed anyway that they were made of polished uh, bronze that the uh, Israelitish women took with them 
when they left Egypt. So they were used in that manner. And then if we look at Job 37 and 18, Turn there. Job thirty seven and eighteen. Can you with him, speaking of God? Spread out the skies, strong as a molten mirror. In Scripture, we find a lot of figurative language. And yet, sometimes we attempt to take some of those figurative languages as a literal, not realizing within the context that they're given. And so let's go over to James uh, chapter 1 and look at verse 23. I don't know whether I can do any better with these things or not. Sometimes yes and sometimes no. Chapter 1, verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. But once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of a person he was. What did the mirror tell him? Physical? No. Spiritual. So the mirror reflects our spirit. And as for figurative language, I don't think it would be doing the scripture an injustice to see this book as a mirror of the soul. We can look in this book, and we understand that, that this book tells us who we are, what we are, what we should be, and unfortunately, sometimes what we become because we did not stay within the confines of what is written in the book. So, uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians chapter 13.
I'm convinced that chapter 13 is probably as good of a mirror of our soul as we can find. That's my opinion. For I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love. I have become a noisy gong or a clinging, clanging cymbal. What about my love? What about my love? You know, we speak of love, sometimes we talk about an agape love. Well, agape, according to Smith, was a celebration. And it had various aspects to it. And that word is not an English word, so most of us don't speak Greek or Hebrew nor do we understand it when we read it. So sometimes we need to make a word study to really realize what is being said in certain areas of Scripture, be they figurative or literal. And if I have the gift of prophecy... There's another word. Prophecy is used in various ways. And I, what study that I have done concerning prophecy, it seems to be teaching. Yes, during Old Testament and New Testament days also, prophecy was, in some cases, a telling of the future. But the future has already been revealed to us in God's Word. We know for sure what the future holds because He tells us. And if I have the gift of prophecy and I have the... And if I... And now all... If, well, let me get them up here again and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. There again, my love is questioned. Do I have love? And if I give my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. How about your patience? How about my patience? Do I have patience? Am I patient with my brethren? With my spouse? What about my words that I use toward my brethren? or my spouse, or my children. Love is patient. Love is kind. And is not jealous. 
does not brag and is not arrogant. What about my demeanor? Am I an, 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 an arrogant person? Does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Does not seek its own. There's another one that's difficult. Do we seek our own? In some cases, yes, we must. But in other cases, we need to seek the needs of others. Is not provoked. Do you anger easily? You get all bent out of shape over nothing that seems to be something and later on didn't amount to anything. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Now there's a difficult one, isn't it? Do we take into account a wrong suffered? Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things. Bears all things. Some things are hard to bear, aren't they? Difficult. And yet, we must if we're going to stay within the confines of this book. Believes all things. Now there is one that we do wrestle with because we hear some things that we believe and later on we find out it was not so. So we're quick to hear and believe without Pausing, taking a little bit of time to say, is this, is this right? Endures all things. There's another one that's difficult. But for sure, for sure, this next one, verse 8, love never fails. But if there are any gifts of prophecy or teaching, some of us are gifted with the gift of being able to teach properly uh, according to what we find here. Some of us are not. But not all of us are to be teachers. Some of us are to be listeners, to receive the teaching and be able to live by it. So if there are gifts of teaching, of prophecy, they'll be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. Now there is one that we might question but yet, when will knowledge be done away? When will knowledge be done away? With the coming of Christ, of course. 
For we know in part and we prophesy or teach in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I become a man, I did away with childish things. For now, for now, for now, right now, I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I also have been fully known. The Lord knows everything about me and about you. Every breath that I take, he knows. So it behooves me to the best of my ability as I learn, as I associate, to hold this book in my highest esteem, do my very best to live by every word. But now, now, then, now, abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So, love of self, yes. Love of my brethren, yes. Love of the people of the world who are not my brethren, yes. How else do I ever expect to lead anyone to Christ. A lot of scripture, of course, as I said, is figurative. But yet it teaches us lessons. And it is ours to learn. And having learned, it is ours to live. And yet we struggle. The Lord knows that. So we go back to First Corinthians ten, verse twelve and following. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And very importantly, to understand verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure. These things came to mind uh, 
I hope, I pray that what I've said has been within the keepings of the bounds of this book and in some way uh, be profitable to you. That's all I have. And as always, we uh, set aside a time to reflect on our condition and to offer an invitation. So if there are anyone here, uh, if there is anyone here who uh, would like to share with uh, the congregation their needs of prayer or in case of someone who may be yet not a Christian and desires baptism. So let us stand now and sing. <laughs>